So in our practice and in our life, we practice restraint with regard to the six senses and their objects, the eye and forms, the ear and sounds, the nose and smells, the tongue with tastes, the body with sensations, and the mind with mind objects. And based on contact at the six sense doors, feelings arise. So we have to have uh, great care with regard to this. Because if we don't train our hearts and minds, then the mind simply follows after all these various feelings without mindfulness, without control. And if all the minds in the world are like this, then we won't be able to live in the world. Because if one thinks to harm, then one will harm. If one thinks to criticize or speak harshly, then one does that. If one thinks to hurt another, then one simply follows that. If one thinks to kill another, then one kills another. This is because in a single day, uh, when there's disliking, then based on this disliking, there can be proliferation. And based on this, this leads to harmful behavior. And similarly with liking, the mind that follows liking engages in behaviors based on that. So we see that these are conditions of the mind. And the mind that lacks protection, that lacks restraint, follows after all these sense objects. And this gives, is the kilesas uh, craving at work. This is the mind that's going to a darker place, going to darkness. And the Buddha uh, knew this already. And we see that we follow uh, moods and sense impressions like this. This is the path of demerit, of unskillfulness, path that leads to heat, that makes our mind hotter and hotter. And the mind that's hot, the mind that gets hotter and hotter like this, uh, goes to bad uh, rebirths, bad destinations, like the animal realm, hungry ghost realm, or hell, for instance. And before we reach the actual location of hell, our mind becomes hellish uh, beforehand. And the bodies of hell beings, or the body when it goes to hell, it's a body that one doesn't see with the normal eyes. It's a, a disamana uh, body. It's a body that one can't see with normal vision because it's uh, subtle. It's something that's a type of subtle body. We can compare it to bacteria or viruses. We believe that they exist, but it's something that we can't see. So our current bodies, we, our human bodies, we can call coarse bodies. But then there are these subtle bodies, which is another type of body. And so when the coarse body dies and the mind in a hellish state, then this is a mind that goes to a, a woeful rebirth or a painful, unfortunate rebirth. And a mind that's in a, a positive state, a mind with merit, goes to a pleasant, a happy rebirth. So we see that where the rebirth occurs, 
how it depends on the mind like this. It arises in the mind first. And if one does a lot of unskillful acts, a lot of demerit, then this makes the mind coarser and coarser. The mind gets darker and darker. And this is a mind that goes to woeful rebirth, like an animal realm, hungry ghost realm, or hell realm. And these uh, abaya pumis, or woeful states of existence, are places that are filled with uh, suffering, with a lack of ease. We can say that abaya means a lack of ease or suffering. And in the human realm, there's a mixture of uh, pleasant and unpleasant experience. But in these uh, woeful states of existence, it's just suffering and stress and pain all the time without uh, pleasure or happiness. And in the lowest or most uh, painful level of hell, it's called Awichi hell, and this is where uh, Devadatta and King Ajatasattu have been reborn after doing uh, various bad acts or unskillful acts. And this Awichi hell is characterized by uh, fire and burning all the time. It's a place of very intense suffering and they are said to be there for an incredibly long time. They won't come out of that hellish, hellish state for many millions of years. So this uh, place of hell is uh, something that's real and true, which is something the Buddha taught. So if we believe what the Buddha taught, then we believe in hell. And heaven is real as well. And these heaven and hell, these are things that we can see in our own minds first. They're things that arise in our own minds, arise as feelings in our hearts. So we do acts of merit like generosity, virtue, uh, meditation, chanting, and so on. And we see that our minds become at ease and we have uh, pleasure and happiness in our minds and we feel uh, a sense of well-being. So this is merit and goodness arising this is heaven arising in the heart. And this is the opposite, uh, the polar opposite of hell, the opposite of the woeful states of existence. And so we see that as humans, we need this quality of virtue of sila, because without sila, one goes to these woeful states of existence. Whatever feelings arise in the mind, we practice to restrain them, control them with mindfulness, this quality of recollection, and sampajanya, uh, clear comprehension, clear awareness. And we have sati and sampajanya to watch over our minds so that we don't always follow after sense impressions. We train ourselves not to do demeritorious acts. We train ourselves to be heedful we train ourselves in whatever amount of life we have remaining uh, to be well-established in heedfulness. Because these lives of ours, we never know when we'll meet with sickness, like getting a, a severe case of cancer or other types of illness. 
Um, as we see that if our bodies are still healthy and strong, then we should put forth effort to train ourselves in heedfulness, to put forth effort in doing acts of merit and goodness. So we still have a strong body, we still have breath, so we try to do merit as much as we can. Because we don't know, it's unsure when these lives of ours will end. We don't know when old age, sickness, and death will come. So therefore, be heedful. Be firmly established in heedfulness. Because heedfulness is the way to the deathless. The deathless is achieved through heedfulness. And those that are heedless are as if dead already. And mostly the people in the world are heedless lost in the uh, six senses and their objects, lost in the things of the world. And the things of the world have no end to them. They just keep going on and on. And based on these six sense doors, uh, the kilesas arise, liking and disliking arise. And there's no end to it. We may get things that we like, that we enjoy, but is it ever enough? Does it ever feel like enough? So we see that this is not the way because simply more craving arises. We try to get things that we like, that we enjoy, and it just gives rise to more attachment and in turn more craving as well. So we have some pleasure, some enjoyment, and we never feel that it's enough. In order to realize enoughness, we need the Dhamma. We need mindfulness and wisdom in order to realize enoughness within our own hearts. We need to study the Dhamma to train ourselves in heedfulness because in the end we all uh, get old, get sick, and we all die. And when we die, we can't take anything of this world with us when we die. So living in the world, we do need to study and work and take care of our lives to do our duties well, to take care of our families, and to do these things uh, well and properly. But we train to do them with mindfulness and wisdom. And we see that we need to practice and train our hearts uh, simultaneously along with our worldly duties to build the quality of merit and skillfulness this is something we need to try to do to make skillfulness uh, full and complete within our hearts. And the merit which is truly great is that of meditation, of training in mindfulness and wisdom, to know sense impressions as they arise. And this is uh, truly a great merit, that of practicing the Dhamma. As we see if we're well established in generosity, we may still have a lot of uh, troubles and agitation with the world. So the next step is to have virtue, to have sila. And this brings peace to our behavior of body and speech. And then once we're established in sila, then to bring peace to our mind, we practice mindfulness, practice chanting, practice meditation. And even if we practice chanting and meditation and mindfulness for many years, 
we still may not realize peace within our hearts, but yet we still practice it continuously, put forth effort continuously. And the more we do it, then one day a peacefulness arises, a stillness arises. This is something that's possible to happen. This is the quality of uh, shamatha, of tranquility, uh, suppressing, uh, controlling the defilements. This is the mind that's empty, uh, has emptiness of a certain type. This is the mind that's empty because the kilesas are suppressed. And then sense impressions arise again, and then craving and defilement arise again. And then we cultivate samadhi, cultivate peace again to suppress the defilements and bring the mind to stillness again through tranquility. We can compare it to putting a rock on top of grass. When the rock is on top of the grass, the grass doesn't grow, it's suppressed. But when we remove the rock, then the grass grows again. So this is like samadhi controlling the defilements. And when we do have this quality of samadhi in the mind, then we contemplate this body. We contemplate that it's something not beautiful, simply composed of natural elements. It's something that's inherently empty. And when we contemplate like this, the defilements reduce gradually. And when the defilements reduce like this, this is emptiness of another type that arises, emptiness that arises from wisdom. We can call this bhavana uh, maya panya, the wisdom that arises from meditation practice. We know it through our own practice of mental cultivation. So when we listen to teachings or read them, this can give rise to wisdom of one type, and then we contemplate, this gives rise to wisdom of another type. Then we do meditation and see clearly for ourselves, and this is wisdom of a third type. So we train ourselves in these various levels of wisdom, and we try to train ourselves in meditation. We cultivate the quality of patient endurance within our hearts. We can recollect the Buddha's teaching, Kanti Paramang Tapo Tidika, that patient endurance is the supreme incinerator of defilements. Patient endurance burns away the defilements. So we practice to have patient endurance with all the moods and sense impressions that we encounter. And as uh, lay people practicing one has patient endurance with one's work as well as one's meditation. And for monastics that practice uh, the Dutanga ascetic wandering, then they practice patient endurance with that as well. Because the monks that practice Tudong, this ascetic wandering, they go into the forest without any physical weapons. So therefore they use loving-kindness as their, their dhamma weapon. Because sometimes monks wandering in the forest will meet with elephants, and some monks will die, or meet with bears or tigers. And if one has the karma to die like this, then one can die from these types of dangers. It's something that's possible. 
it follows one's karma. Sometimes monks go on wandering through the forest and then they're not found again. So when monks go wandering like this, they have to accept uh, that they might die. They accept death. And sometimes meeting with elephants, it's possible to speak with the elephants and they'll understand, one can communicate with them. But if the elephant has some uh, baby elephants there, or if the elephant is in heat, then it may be difficult to communicate with the elephant. So when we go to the forest like this, we need to have loving kindness as our Dhamma weapon to cultivate loving kindness first, uh, to cultivate uh, safety. And there was one monk who was practicing like this and living in the forest with his umbrella mosquito net tent. And he came back to his mosquito net at night and an elephant had came to sit right there next to his umbrella tent. And it was dark, so the monk thought, well, why is there this big rock here next to my umbrella tent? Before there was no rock when I left, but now having come back, there's a big rock there. And his light wasn't sufficient to see it clearly, but he saw it was this large object sitting still there next to his umbrella tent. So I thought, what should he do in this case? There's this big elephant there, so he couldn't enter his umbrella tent at that point. So it was like the elephant was testing his wisdom, and he contemplated with wisdom that he should uh, be heedful, uh, first of all, try to keep his distance from the elephant, because if he bothered the elephant, it could lead to trouble. So it was better not to harm the elephant, and he decided to uh, keep his distance and not go into his umbrella tent. And there was another story of a monk who uh, had no fear of a large group of elephants, and he simply put on his robes and walked straight into a large group of about 20 elephants reciting the mantra Bhutto. And the elephants uh, split up to let him pass. They made way for him, this large group of about 20 elephants. But later on, the head of this elephant herd remembered this occasion and felt somewhat offended because here are these 20 elephants or so, and they gave way to this one small human, this one monk. And so this the head of this elephant herd was afraid to lose his honor. So he discussed with his fellow elephants, and they decided to uh, teach the monk a lesson and went to completely destroy and flatten this monk's dwelling. And it was this monk's karma that he wasn't present in his dwelling when the elephants uh, flattened it. But if he was there, then we don't know what might have occurred. But in this case, it was his karma that he wasn't there and he was able to be safe. So we see that sometimes one meets with dangers like this, wandering through the forest. But something that's uh, very dangerous that 
we all encounter on a regular basis is the roads that we drive on. So driving in cars, it's, we're not in a forest and we're not uh, deep in the wilderness, but it's something that's still incredibly dangerous. So when we're on the road, we need to use a lot of mindfulness. When we're driving a car, for instance, and we also need to be careful because other drivers or other road users may not have mindfulness. So for ourselves, we need to have a lot of mindfulness and be, her be firm in heedfulness uh, first and foremost to train our minds in this way. To train our minds in heedfulness and mindfulness and to uh, make effort and fight to reach Nibbana. And if we keep making effort like this, then whether in this life or the next, then we must meet with Nibbana. And we do merit and we bring our minds to heaven in the present moment first. We practice to close the doors to the woeful states of existence. We train our minds to see the quality of anatta, of not-self, and to build merit and goodness. Because if we cling to the self too much, then we won't have the qualities of sacrifice and giving. We won't have virtue. But if we see clearly uh, the quality of not me, not mine, not you or yours, then we'll have these qualities of generosity, virtue, and meditation. So may you all realize uh, Dhamma and see the Dhamma.